Good evening, everybody. It is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your local news rundown. Grad students at Queen's University gathered outside of Richardson Hall last Tuesday morning in an attempt to send a clear message to Queen's administration that it's time to abolish tuition for grad students. Student workers, in an effort to demonstrate their dire straits, wrote why they believe tuition should be abolished on ramen packages that they intended to deliver to Principal Patrick Dean. When they found the doors to Richardson Hall locked, they left the packages of ramen on the doorstep. The rally was held in solidarity with demonstrations at both Laurier University and Western, with the latter seeing grad students bus in from McMaster to support the cause. Astrid Hobill, president of Public Service Alliance of Canada, Local 901, says that funding packages provided by universities place students below the poverty line before even paying tuition. She says that gets in the way of grad students being able to meaningfully work on their research. Abolishing tuition is the only way we can actually get our research done, and it's the only way to really have the university value our work, she says. Grad students at Queen's have long been pushing for better compensation for their teaching assistant work at the university, with the two sides ending a somewhat lengthy collective agreement dispute almost one year ago. Hobill says grad student workers still want to see that compensation increased along with tuition being dropped entirely. While some may consider asking for both to be too much, Hobill says it's not that simple. I would just ask if any of them are paying their employers for the right to work there. Most of our days are spent doing work for the university. We teach for them. We do research that really bolsters the university on an international scale. We are the lifeblood of Queen's University and we're having to pay for that privilege in order to do that work. Universities often point to facilities usage as the reason for grad students to be paying tuition, helping to contribute to the upkeep and staffing costs. Hobill said, however, after the, mo- after the onset of COVID-19, when the majority of facilities were inaccessible, that reasoning no longer held water. She says, we really realized that this was just a money grab for them. What they've always told us is we are paying access to the facilities. Students have become even more concerned about their financial statuses after Principal Patrick Dean lobbied the Ontario government to end the tuition freeze in November of 2022. Grad students invited Dean to a town hall in January to share their concerns about tuition rising, but he declined. While Hobel says students heard that after Tuesday's rally, Dean would in fact be open to meeting with them, Queen's University would not confirm whether that is the case. The university also elected to not provide any comment on the rally or request by PSAC 901 and its supporters. Hobill said the grad students at Queen's understand it's not a unique issue to Kingston, but that Queen's funding packages tend to be lower than other U15 universities, while the cost of rent is often comparable or higher in Kingston than in any other cities. She says the lack of affordable housing is the primary issue plaguing grad students along with countless other Canadians and is an issue PSAC 901 is involved in with other local groups to fight for solutions as Kingston's rental market has recently hiked at a rate rivaled by a few Canadian cities. 
With the massive amount of turnover year after year due to students coming and going, landlords are able to increase rent more frequently and by more than they would be permitted to with an existing tenant. Hobel says the affordable housing, while not the direct responsibility of Queens, is something the university could take a stronger stance on. Queens could definitely be advocating to the city on our behalf because the city listens to Queens a lot more than they listen to graduate students. The school does offer some below market units to grad students in the John Orr Tower and Ann Clackland residence, but the amount of available units is nowhere near enough to accommodate every grad student. Hobel says PSAC 901 will continue to coordinate with grad students at other schools to fight for better and says at the end of the day, while Queens and other universities need to make changes, the Ontario government needs to step up as well. The story was written by Owen Fullerton of YGK News for the Local Journalism Initiative. Providence Care has been awarded accreditation with exemplary standing by Accreditation Canada. The designation is the highest award possible through the Hospital Accreditation Program. Accreditation is an ongoing process of assessing healthcare and social service organizations against rigorous standards of excellence to identify what is being done well and what needs to be improved. From November 21st to the 24th of 2022, surveyors from Accreditation Canada visited Providence Care to evaluate the organization on how well it performs against national standards of excellence for quality and safety. Providence Care earned its exemplary standing by meeting 100% of Accreditation Canada's required organizational practices, critical quality practices that ensure safe, quality patient care. ROPs are categorized across six safety areas, safety culture, communication, medication use, infection control, work-life, workforce, and risk assessment. In addition, Providence Care met 98.9% of the standards of excellence against which we were evaluated. These standards ensure service excellence in medication management, infection prevention and control, leadership and governments, and more. Kathy Sabo, President and CEO of Providence Care says, despite the challenges faced by our staff and physicians as a result of the pandemic, they continue to provide high quality, compassionate care to the people we serve. This award is a testament to the commitment of our staff, physicians, and volunteers. It is an honor to see their work recognized. In announcing its decision, Accreditation Canada singled out numerous Providence care strengths, including a strong risk management program, commitment to quality improvement and safety, engaged experienced partners and volunteers, communication to patients, clients, residents and families, and nimble response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Executive Summary and Full Accreditation Canada report are available on Providence Care's website at providencecare.ca. That's it for your local news rundown. And now let's throw it over to Cindy Gibson of the Indie Wake Up Call on Thursday mornings to talk about our Artist of the Week. Hello, this is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with your local artist to watch. Now, I love me a good student house party band. Most of Kingston's legendary bands started off blowing out amps from overcrowded student houses and backyard ragers that are usually ended with noise complaints and a visit from the cops. Beautiful, right? Now, COVID took this away from us. It's an honor tradition. And my friends, may I draw your attention to Kings of Queens. This is a new band comprised of current Queen students with assorted musical backgrounds and yet with a seemingly cohesive interest in throwing a good party through their music. This is a five-piece rock band bringing together a lot of influence and energy for an entirely new class of students. 
We are hoping for an EP very soon as they grow a catalog of original music that could be part of this new Kingston indie scene that we are watching emerge right before our eyes. You can tell I'm pretty excited about this. In a recent article in the Queen's Journal, vocalist Stephen Swim was quoted as saying, we want people to just feel like it's a party and just have fun. Thank you, Stephen. We need this. I feel like these are words to live by. They just had a show at the mansion with a full house of adoring fans, and I'm just excited to see where this goes. I haven't even heard any of their music, and you know what? I don't care. I just want to know that bands are coming together and being formed in living rooms and backyards on campus, and we'll watch it flourish from there. So you go, Kings of Queens. Just somebody please send me one of their songs. This is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call. And that was your local artist to watch. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh and today I'm joined in studio by Kelsey and Madot, the media reps for the Vogue charity fashion show. How's it going today, guys? Good. How are you, Erica? I'm great. Thank you. So do you guys just mind introducing yourself? Yeah, so I'm Madot and I'm one of the co-heads of Press and Media this year. And my name's Kelsey. That sounds great. So can you just explain what the Vogue Charity Fashion Show is? For sure. So since 1997, the Vogue Charity Fashion Show has aspired to combine all facets of fashion, the arts, and philanthropy in order to raise money for a deserving charity in the Kingston area. Each year, the fashion show provides students with the opportunity to showcase their creative talents for ambitious leaders to take action, all while functioning as a symbol of social responsibility. Mm -hmm. And what charity are you supporting this year? This year, we are supporting Pathways to Education, which is a nonprofit organization in the Kingston area that commits to empowering youth to succeed in work, life, and school. The organization provides Kingston youth with tools, community-based programs, and meaningful relationships to help them be their best. And you guys have a theme every year, so talk to me a bit about this year's theme. Yeah, so this year's theme invites you to open your mind, your soma, and the psyche. And it's all about exploring the world of dreams and celebrating all of the mental, physical, and spiritual capabilities that we all have. This year, the theme is called Saw You in a Dream, and it's an original. Mm -hmm. And when is the event this year? It's taking place March 9th to 11th and is live and in person at the Grand Theatre in Kingston. Um, we also are selling uh, live stream tickets. So can you guys just share any social media you have, any websites, Instagram handles? Yeah, so you can buy your tickets and also find out more about this year's theme and any events coming up on VogueCharityFashionShow.com. That's our website. And our Instagram is at VCFS underscore Queens. That's where you're going to find any photo shoots that we release or any updates that might be fun to just have around in your pocket. Yeah, we do lots of promotion for our um, events in the city, also on our Instagram and Facebook. Mm. And do you have any final remarks before we say goodbye? Come see the show. Yeah, it's so good. Like, uh, the everything is so well done and you got, you're all going to love it so much. <laughs> We're so excited to present it. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, guys. Thank you so much for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So once again, that was Kelsey and Madot from the Vogue Charity Fashion Show. Make sure to go to the fashion show on March 9th. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for Campus Corner today. And now over to sports. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC sports update. Last night, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles faced off in the 57th Super Bowl. The Eagles would take early control, leading 24-17 going into the half. 
It was only after Rihanna's halftime show that the Chiefs would take control of the game, narrowly managing to steal the win 38-35. Last weekend, the women's basketball team took on both the Lakehead Thunderwolves and the York Lions. In their match against the Thunderwolves, Queens floated past with a 94-50 victory. Their next match against York would prove to be more of a challenge as they would have to outlast the Lions. The first quarter would end with the Lions having a one-point lead 16-17 and Queens tying it up going into the half 35-35. The third quarter would follow a similar pattern with a tie of 52-52 going into the fourth quarter. With the match coming down to the wire, Queens would narrowly pull away in the end, winning their match 74-68. With the win, the Gales improved their record to 19-1, remaining atop the OUA East Division standings and are set to close out the regular season with an away game against the Nipsing Lakers Friday, February 17th at 6pm. The men's volleyball team narrowly lost to the Brock Badgers in five sets Saturday night in St. Catharines, Ontario. The first set would go the way the Gales, 25-23, but the next one would fall to Brock, 21-25. Next, Queens would take it 25-19, but lose the next two sets, 24-26 and 12-15. With the defeat, Queens' record fell to 10-8, and, and they currently sit 5th in the OUA standings. But on that note, that's all your sports coverage for today. Now over to Kristen Chancellor with a community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. The Queen's Youth Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Service will be hosting a few events this week to keep you informed. On February 15th from 6 to 8 p.m., they will be hosting a virtual film screening that will give students an opportunity to watch and anonymously discuss three award-winning short films about the mental health impacts of sexual violence, engage in mind-body exercises that help them unplug from their screens, and connect with wellness resources available to them. This workshop is for everyone. You can learn more about the program at artwithimpact.org, and to register, you can head to Instagram at QUSBPRS, and the link is in their bio. Also this week, the SBPRS team will be supporting the Red Flag Campaign from February 12th to 18th. The Red Flag Campaign is a week-long event aimed to raise awareness for unhealthy behaviors or red flags in relationships. By the end of the week, they aim to give students the knowledge to spot these behaviors and the courage to speak up against them. Events include daily social media posts on red and green flags, and you can find them on the ARC on February 14th from 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. There's still time to catch the free exhibit This Is Evidence running until February 17th at the Isabel. This Is Evidence is a part of the Isabel's Human Rights Arts Festival, running from February 6th until the 17th in the Art and Media Lab. This Is Evidence, a powerful multimedia photo voice exhibit by Dr. Rina Kakarja, focuses on undocumented South Asian male migrants from Bangladesh, Pakistan, and India living in Greece. Themes include xenophobia, Islamophobia, temporary labor migration, securitization of borders, as well as enactments of masculinity and encounters between migrant men and the Greek population. The exhibit includes photographic stills and videos taken by the migrant men to show their lives as undocumented workers, drone films, interactive touchscreens, maps showing migrant trajectories, life histories, songs sung and games played for leisure, and reconstructed migrant housing. To catch this exhibit, be sure to head to the Isabel between Monday and Friday from 10 to 4 p.m. Admission is free, so be sure to catch this at the Isabel until the 17th. As always, KFPL... As always, KFPL has plenty of new programming this week. Sarah Rowley, Sarah Rowley, author of the Effigies trilogy and the Bones of Ruin series, and the Bones of Ruin series, and an assistant professor of writing at Lakehead University, 
is giving an author talk over Zoom on February 16th from 4 to 5 p.m. Folks can register at calendar.kfpl.ca or by calling 613-549-8888. KFPL also celebrates Black History Month. Inspired by and partnering with Black creators to offer valuable education, discussion, and creative opportunities. From celebrating Black joy to learning about the legacy of the Black Lives Matter movement, there are events and resources for people of all ages. Events include graffiti art, design your own tag for kids ages 5 and up with award-winning Ottawa muralist Jimmy Baptiste as he guides families to create graffiti pieces. This is a virtual event on February 16th. And on February 23rd, people ages 13 and up are invited to drop into the Calvin Park branch from 6 to 8 p.m. for a screening of Who's Streets, a documentary covering the 2014 Ferguson, Missouri uprising after Michael Brown's death. Throughout the month, KFPL branches will showcase collections featuring books, films, and music featuring Black voices, with online collections offering the same. Check the event calendar at calendar.kfpl.ca for more opportunities to celebrate. That's all for your community update this week, and next up is Mary with the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. Increasing clouds will arrive Monday morning with winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The late afternoon brings a 30% chance of rain showers or flurries with a high of plus 6. We will experience cloudy conditions Monday evening with a 30% chance of rain showers or flurries, and winds will remain up to 15 kilometers per hour with a low of minus 4 and wind chill of minus 8 overnight. Conditions will begin to clear Tuesday morning with winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. We will reach a high of plus 7 in the afternoon with clouds increasing by the evening. We will reach a low of minus 1 Tuesday evening. Now over to Alex with our traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the city of Kingston. Albert Street from Princess to 516 Albert will be closed on Thursday, February 9th at 7 a.m. until Friday, February 10th at 5 p.m. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. McDonnell Street from Johnson to Earl will be closed until the end of today for new service connections. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed until Saturday, February 11th at 5 p.m. And University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st at 7 p.m. And the right crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is in place from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays, meaning that these streets are closed during those times. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The Play Street Initiative is also in place. Thomas Street from County to Patrick is closed 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Mondays until August 28th. Some other delays that you can expect, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, there will be some delays due to construction. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Jackson Mills Road from McIver to Burbrook, you can expect delays from Monday, February 6th all the way until Friday, February 10th. And Jackson Mills Road near the Canopy Trail is reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but does remain open in both directions. King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure until February 28th. The Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young, as well as east of Lake Watch Lane. And Queen Street from King to Ontario, you can expect a sidewalk closure as well until February 28th. 
That's your weekly traffic report. And now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty for our events calendar of the week. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. If you're looking for a groovy addition to your Wednesday night, Abamania has got you covered. This sensational tribute band will be returning to the Kingston Grand Theater, located at 218 Princess Street, alongside Night Fever, a Bee Gees cover band, to transport you back to the glory days of pop music with songs like Waterloo and You Should Be Dancing. This show runs from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., with tickets priced at $48.54 plus HST and a handling fee. Limited seats are available, so make sure to get your tickets now at kingstongrand.ca slash events. Whether midterms have got you stressed or you need a February pick-me-up, make sure to stop by Mitchell Hall, located at 69 Union Street, this Thursday from 12 to 1 p.m. to pet a therapy dog. Oscar is a fluffy golden retriever that stops by every week with his handler, John, to add some well-deserved positivity into your day. Also on Thursday, UNICEF Queens, Quebec, and Greenovations will be hosting Tea Time Talk in room 226 of Ellis Hall, located at 58 University Avenue. Tea Time Talk is an informative discussion on climate change and eco-conscious consumerism, so if you have any interest in these subject areas, be sure to check it out. It's free and no re registration is required. This Saturday, make sure to keep your eyes on Solace for your winter term exam schedule. Once you've taken care of that, head on over to Beers for Queers Night in Monty's Room at Tiernanog Irish Pub, located at 200 Ontario Street. This 19 plus event is a social for LGBTQIA2S plus community members and allies with no cover price, so make sure to stop by for an evening of spirited fun. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next.